Heat pack or ice pack? Ice pack. Bath or shower? Bath. Treat or prevent? Both. Nurtec ODT Remedipant 75 milligrams is the first and only medication proven to treat and prevent migraines in adults. The choice is yours. Don't take if you're allergic to Nurtec ODT. The most common side effects were nausea, stomach pain, and indigestion. For important safety, prescribing, and patient information, visit nurtec.com. Talk to your doctor about Nurtec ODT. Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The rulers sneered at Jesus as he hung on the cross. He saved himself. He saved others. Now let him save himself. If he is the chosen one of God, the Christ of God, Even the soldiers jeered at Jesus. As they approached to offer him wine, they called out, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him, there was written this inscription, This is the king of the Jews. Now one of the criminals hanging there reviled Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and others and us. The other, however, rebuking him, said in reply, Have you no fear of God? For you are subject to the same condemnation. Indeed, we have been condemned justly, for the sentence we receive corresponds to our crimes. But this man has done nothing wrong. He's not a criminal. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Amen, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The readings today are packed with theology. Packed. If you knew nothing about the Catholic faith, and the origins of Christianity, if you read today's readings, you'd know it all. But of course, it has to be applied. The scriptures are so filled with the message today. But the one simple thing that I want to open with, this is November, Feast of All Souls, we celebrate throughout the month. Jesus is hanging on the cross. Now, this is funny because it's the Feast of Christ, the King of the Universe, And he's on a cross, not a throne, not a palace. He's on a cross on Golgotha. And last month when I was in the Holy Land, we were able to kiss the ground where the cross stood. We were able to kiss the the last station, what we say, the last station where the body was laid down after it was removed from the cross. We were honored to go into the Erkelum, the, 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 the housing around the tomb where Jesus' body laid, and to touch the stone and touch things to it, like a cloth that I have as a relic. So the historical Jesus was there in that place 2,000 years ago. 
And today, as, as we proclaim king of the universe, and you'll hear that in Colossians in a second, king of the universe, we focus on the cross. The most horrible death the Romans could think of. Think of it. You're hanging on the cross, some nailed, some tied. They say he was nailed. No water, no food, naked. Think of, think of the bodily functions that one has in the course of hours. He was up there over three hours. The way you die when you're on the cross is by asphyxiation. Your arms are stretched out and you can't, you can't breathe. And, of course, he had a double complication. Even if he used his feet on the wood of the cross to get, like, stability to breathe, those feet had nails in them. So the pain is excruciating. He'd already been spit upon, beaten, carried this beam of the cross up Golgotha, and we walked through those streets in Golgotha, tiny, narrow streets, shops on both sides, people going about their business. I'm sure on the day he carried that cross, people were going about their business, selling trinkets, selling souvenirs. Not Christian souvenirs, but they were selling souvenirs, I'm sure, food. And he's there on the cross, and finally he can't catch his breath any longer, and his lungs are filling with liquid, and at the end, he dies. Before speaking to the criminals, however, there's a message. Speaking to his father, there's a message. This is the king of the universe, Pius the Ninth, excuse me, Pius the Eleventh, in 1941, decided when all the political ramifications are going on between the Vatican and Italy and Garibaldi and all those great people in, in Italy at that time, the Pope decided, wait a minute, we have to make people know that we're not just another organization. We're not just another church, another place, another tourist attraction. We represent Christ, King of the universe. And so he declared that the end of the liturgical year would be this feast, King of the Universe. We'll talk more about his role as king. But don't forget his throne, the cross. Don't forget his crown as king, the thorns. D don't forget his accolades. If you are God, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Christ, get down. You healed others, help yourself. These are the accolades that Jesus is receiving on the cross as people are spitting at him, mocking him. And, and just get into the heart of Mary, his mother, right there. She's probably saying, he, it, all he did was good. All he did was love. And look, look, look how the world is treating him. He'll get his on the third day. The Father will acknowledge that. But today we focus on the throne of the cross. You know, since I grew up and you grew up, we always heard he, he died for our sins. And maybe a day like this in which we just stop, wait a minute, wait a minute. He, how could he die for my sins? I'm in the 21st century. He was in century one because he is the king of the universe. He knew you from the beginning. He knew all of us from the beginning. He knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows our loves. He knows our hates. And even in the 21st century, he dies in the first century for those sins that are on our hearts and our actions. And we're grateful for him, to him for this. 
were grateful to the Lord who walked the earth. And that's the beginning of my homily. He walked the earth. You thought, it, you thought all that was the beginning? That was just a preface. <laughs> Today we celebrate, I think, Ancestry.God. You've heard of the other facilities, the other sites. Everybody, many people are going back to their ancestry, especially Americans. We, you know, we come from so many different areas of the world, and we're here now. So people like to do their ancestry, trace their roots, see what great-great-great-great-grandfather was like, and all those good things, and, and see what our great-great-great-grandmothers had in their family. We like that. It's, it's warming. <laughs> Sometimes it's disastrous. Some people find out things they don't want to know, and they're stuck. They spit in the jar, and that's it. It's off, it's off to the races. But that's, that's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about the day Samuel the prophet, he was the last of the judges. The judges were, not like we have in our courts, the judges were people who held the 12 tribes together by leadership. They weren't kings. They weren't dukes, anything like that. They were judges. They held the family of the 12 tribes together. And 12 tribes are the origin of the 12 tribes of Israel, those who followed Abraham, the covenant with God. So Samuel receives a message from God to go to this character's house. Jesse, his name is. He has a bunch of sons. And he says to Jesse, he says to Samuel, one of Jesse's kids is going to be a king, and you're going to make him the king. Now, you've got to realize, the Jews had no king at that point. The Israelites had no king. We, we, we did judges. The other, the other societies, the Philistines and the Amorites, they all had kings, but we don't have a king. We're different. Well, guess what? People finally wanted a king to unify those 12 tribes, the north and the south. <laughs> you catch my geography? The north and the south. I'm, I'm, I'm like geographically dyslexic. I know south is here, north is here. Anyway, um, and what happens? He goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse lines up his sons. He says, I have to see one of your sons. God sent me to do something special for him. Okay, he lines up his six sons. He has seven. And Samuel says, where's number seven? Oh, don't worry about him. That's David. He's taking care of the sheep. He's young, a little inexperienced, a little naive. God, talk to these guys. These guys, how, how old is your son? How old is he? Yeah. Marcos. I'm sorry. Marcos, how old are you? Lucas, right? How old are you? Ten, come over here. Can I, can I borrow him for a second? I need, I need an ascent. I need a yes or a no from you. Yes. Okay. So you all heard he said yes. Okay. <laughs> David is probably this size. Maybe a little taller. But this age. Maybe a little older. But this, basically, this, this is David. Okay? Taking care of sheep. You like sheep? Yeah. You ever see them? Yeah. Oh, aren't they nice? Do you pet them? No. You never? Oh, you got to take them someplace where you can pet a sheep. They're, they're soft and they're cute and they're lovable, especially the baby sheep. You can hug them. Okay, you go back. Thank you, David. I know it's, his, it's, Mar, it's Mar, Marcus, Lucas, but um, I, today he's David. So Samuel says, call him in. So little naive, young David comes in, and the Spirit of God says to Samuel, that's the one, anoint him, set him apart. Spirit of God fills Samuel, 
He gets the oil of anointing. We still use oil at anointing of baptism and confirmation and ordination. And he pours it on this kid's head and he's declared the king of Israel. Don't let that go to your head. He's declared the king of Israel. The beginning of the family tree of Jesus. This is it. Jesse, and you've seen the tree of Jesse, Christmas time. We always talk about the tree of Jesse. This is Jesse. These are his sons. Samuel anoints David as the first king. Jesus' family tree, right there. So ancestry.god. David doesn't have such a great career all the time, but he is the greatest king of Israel. He unites the north and the south, builds the temple, does wonderful things. He's also a human being. Don't forget that. Jesus' ancestor was a human being who made mistakes. Another story, but now we're talking about his role. So Jesus comes on the scene, and you saw Jesus on the cross. You saw the king of Israel. And sarcastically, the Romans put, this is the king of Israel. Ah, that's what they were doing. They were mocking him. This is the king, naked, filled with blood, spit, beaten up. <laughs> he wants to go down, let him go down. <laughs> and he's hanging on the cross, and the sarcasm is, you've done wonderful things for everybody else. What about you? Go do it for yourself. See how people think then? Maybe even now. Um, you have power, take care of yourself. You have power, take care of yourself. Jesus didn't respond to that. Jesus didn't say, okay, dad, get me off the cross. Let, let's show them how, how much power I have. Not Jesus. He's the king of our hearts. He's the king of the universe, and he knows our hearts. And while he's there dying on the cross, the criminals are having an argument with him. We don't know what their crime was. The good criminal and the bad criminal, we name them. The bad criminal says, basically, come on, Jesus, do your thing. Get off the cross. Get us off here. You know, free us. Be, be the king you're supposed to be. And the other thief, we call him a thief, we don't know what he was, says, you know, we're receiving the crimes we deserve. We're being punished for what we did. This man has done nothing wrong. He fed. He cleaned. He washed, he wept, he loved. And then he turns to Jesus. Get into the heart of Jesus. This is so important. He turns to Jesus and says, which is a great acclamation of faith, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That little bit of theology from an uneducated criminal is magnificent. One, He's acknowledging the divinity of Jesus who's going to die on the cross but enter into his paradise, his kingdom. What? Could you imagine those listening to this? Say, what is he talking about? Mary probably understood. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now we got a picture of everlasting life. And during the month of November, we pray for all souls. Listen to what Jesus says. This day, you'll be with me in paradise. That was the opening of the doors of paradise for us. That substantiates our faith in those who have died, 
souls that we pray for, that when it's appropriate, they go to heaven with God. They're in paradise with God. There it is, right there. Magnificent thrust of faith, but a magnificent revelation of the future of Christians who follow Jesus. And that, that demonstration is so beautiful because today we have the tracing of Jesus from the early days of his, his birth. We'll have talk about that in December. But the origin of Jesus before he was born. The letter to the Colossians. Just in case, the author is saying, you think like there are gods in the sky, there are gods in the earth, there's a this god and a water god and a sun god. Just in case you get all that, and you think they're real, listen to what I have to say about Christ. And let's give thanks to Christ and God the Father who gave us Jesus Christ. What did he do? He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us by invitation to the kingdom of God through Jesus. Who is Jesus? Not the one born in Bethlehem. We'll get to him December 25th. Who is Jesus? He is the image of the invisible God. You see Jesus, you see God. You see Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples, you see God. You see Jesus crying at Lazarus' grave, you see God. You see Jesus touching the lepers, you see God. You see Jesus feeding the poor, you see God. The icon of God. Jesus. And here he is on his throne, the cross. What else do we know about this Jesus? Who after the cross will receive this. <clears throat> his place in heaven. And there are no, no kinds of angels, thrones, dominions, principalities, anything. Anything is below him. And they all worship him. He holds it all together. We're not talking theology, folks. We're talking here and now, right here. Jesus Christ holding us together. Being comfortable with Jesus Christ. He knows our thoughts, our hearts. He's holding us together as the head of the church. And we are his body. Every one of us. Every one of us is important to Jesus. We might have a problem with each other, personality, and this and that, jealousy, this and that. But Jesus loves every one of us, and he looks into our hearts, and he knows the authentic us each one of us is. That's why we're here. He's holding us together. That's why we pray, because he hears us, and he wants to respond to us. He's the beginning, and the firstborn from the dead. Firstborn. The resurrection. He started it. The resurrection. When we die, and we're in good faith with Jesus, we experience the resurrection. Just as our scriptures tell us, just as our prayers say, we are one with him. You see how today we study Ancestry.com, Ancestry.Christian, Ancestry.Christ. We're studying our spiritual roots because through him, he's completely reconciled. We are one with God and he invites us from earth 
to heaven. Feast of Christ the King of the universe? He's our King. He's our Lord. He loves every one of us, and we're, we're part of his kingdom. Oh, sometimes it has problems and hunger and starvation and murder and all that stuff, but he had that in his time too, and so did David have it in his ancestry too, but he's still our king, and he still loves us and wants us close to him. We have a choice. Take yourself off the cross or bring me into your kingdom. That's our choice. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the all-new Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the all-new 2022 Nissan Frontier. With standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-foot of torque.